0: Thank you. Take your Bibles again, please. Turn to Ephesians, uh, the book before Philippians, where we just were looking. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. If you're visiting, or you're new with us, or haven't been uh, around uh, so far this summer, we are going through a series concerning the Holy Spirit. So that's why a lot of the songs uh deal with that subject. Uh we are talking about the Holy Spirit and looking at what the Bible says about him. Today we're going to look at Ephesians five mostly, um, this passage. And I want to read it first so that you hear it and see it if your Bible is open. And maybe if you would stand as we read from God's Word, it's always good to stand in respect of His Word as it is read. So Ephesians chapter five, and I'm going to read from uh, verse fifteen to verse twenty-one. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another, out of reverence for Christ. And then if you just glance at what comes next, you have instructions about wives submitting to their husbands. You come to verse 25, husbands loving their wives. Chapter 6, children obeying their parents and honoring them. Verse 4, fathers bringing up their children in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves obeying their earthly masters. Verse 9, masters treating their slaves in the proper way. Just notice that. It won't be our main passage, but notice what follows our passage, because I'll make reference to that again later. For now, let's pray. Father, guide us as we go through this passage and as we think about this important subject. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is truth and that it gives us guidance and that it shows us how you desire us To live our lives, those of us who belong to you through faith in Jesus Christ. So, Father, speak to us today. Challenge us today. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Has anyone ever asked you if you are spirit filled? I've been asked that question. Has anybody ever asked you if your pastor is spirit-filled? I have never had that question asked of me. Has anyone ever asked you if your church is spirit-filled? I've had that question asked of me. What do they mean when they ask that question? Are you spirit-filled? Is your pastor spirit-filled? Is your church spirit-filled? I'll say from my experience with this over all these years, the people who tend to ask those questions the most are people who use the word spirit-filled as kind of code for practicing certain ecstatic gifts and experiences. It it seems that is the pattern, that most people who tend to ask that question really mean in their minds by spirit-filled the practice of certain ecstatic gifts and experiences. That's what they want to know. My question is, is that what spirit-filled means? So before we answer those three questions, before you answer them this morning about yourself, about your pastor, and about your church, we need to find out what the Bible says about this idea of being spirit-filled so we know What that means. We can't answer the questions unless we know what it means. And I think Ephesians 5 really helps us in doing that. You'll notice there in verse 15, as the passage begins, there is the instruction to be very careful. Paul says, Be very careful then how you live. Be careful how you live. Later he says it's because the days are evil. So be careful how you live. If you happen to have one of the older versions of the Bible, you might have this big word circumspectly. It means to be careful. When, when you walk or live circumspectly, you're walking or living carefully. The word circumspectly is kind of that picture um, of a cat walking on top of a fence with a dog down on both sides, and that cat is going to be walking circumspectly, very carefully. If you're into the Olympics right now, walking circumspectly might be the idea of being on one of those balance beams, ten feet above the floor with no mat, and you would need to walk circumspectly, carefully on that beam. And so that's how Paul begins this passage. Be very careful about how you live. Very careful. He goes on to say, Live not as unwise, but as wise. Live wisely. Live carefully. Live wisely. And make the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. So that's how he starts. Then he says in verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Isn't that important for us as Christians? Is that something you desire to understand what God's will is? Paul is saying you need to understand God's will. Live very carefully. Live wisely. Make the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil, and try to understand what the Lord's will is. And then we find out something that is the Lord's will. Verse 18. We have two commands. First he says, do not get drunk on wine. That is not God's will. Drunkenness is not his will pretty clear. Do not get drunk on wine because that's debauchery. That is an excess that will possibly ruin your life. It's not God's will. And the second command is our subject. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So the first thing we notice about this idea of being spirit-filled is that the Bible presents it as a command. It's an imperative in this verse. Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. Now, the fact that it's a command helps us out a little bit here in understanding being spirit-filled. First of all, if we are commanded to be spirit-filled, that implies we're not always spirit-filled, right? Because if you and I were always spirit-filled, it wouldn't have to be commanded. So just the fact that it's a command means that it's not always true of us. It can be, might not be. The other thing it tells me is that we're not talking here, Paul is not talking about what we refer to as the indwelling of the Spirit, the Spirit living in us as believers. Last week we talked about that. And we talked about how the Holy Spirit comes to live in us when we trust Christ for salvation. We receive Him, and He lives in us for the rest of our lives. It's permanent. The indwelling of the Spirit isn't something that once in a while it's true, and other times it's not. So the indwelling of the Spirit is never commanded in Scripture. It's just stated as something that happens when we trust Christ for salvation, and it's a permanent situation. So being Spirit-filled has nothing to do with being indwelt by the Spirit. That is a done deal if you're a Christian. He's there. So when it says be spirit-filled, it's not talking about the spirit coming into you. He's already there. The other thing that it being a command helps us understand is that there's a responsibility here on our part, right? If a command is given to us, that means we have a responsibility. We're either going to obey that command and respond to it that way, Or we're going to choose to disobey that command. That's the idea of a command. And so there is personal responsibility on our part here when it comes to being spirit filled. Because it's a command. Be spirit filled. Keep on being spirit filled. It's a command. There are three ways that help me understand what it means then to follow this command, what it means to be Spirit-filled. The first thing that helps me understand what it means is what I'll call common usage. The command here says, be filled with the Spirit. Did you know that phrase, filled with, occurs many times in Scripture? you'll find the Scripture talking about being filled with joy, being filled with kindness, being filled with peace, being filled with anger, being filled with jealousy, being filled with grief, being filled with sorrow. And we could go on. It's a common phrase in Scripture. Filled with. What do we mean when we say someone is filled with joy? Someone is filled with compassion? Someone is filled with sorrow? Or filled with rage or anger? What do we mean? We mean that that particular thing, has become the primary influence in that person's life. That thing is impacting every part of the person's life. Their thoughts, their speech, their behavior, their decisions. They're filled with sorrow. And sorrow has kind of taken over. It just fills their life. It's the primary influence. Same with joy. Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. By common usage, what does it mean then? It must mean, let the Holy Spirit be the primary influence in your life. Let the Holy Spirit impact every part of your life. Let the Holy Spirit take over your thoughts, your words, your behavior. It's the same words, filled with, as in the other cases. I think it helps us understand what being Spirit-filled means. Let the Spirit of God Be the primary influence. Impact every part of your life. Let him just take over. How many of you remember fizzies? Remember fizzies? Fizzies, for those of you who are younger, could be purchased in the candy part of a store. And they were these little... Well, they weren't little. They were big tablets, kind of like Elka-Seltzer, if you can picture that. They were these tablets, and you could get grape, you could get cherry, you could get lime, you could get all kinds of flavors. They were called fizzies. Do you remember how you experienced fizzies? You would get a package. You would get a tablet of one of the fizzies out. You'd get a glass of water. And you would drop the fizzy tablet into the glass. And what happened? The fizzy started to take over the entire glass of water. It changed color. If it was a lime fizzy, it turned green. If it was a grape fizzy, it turned purple. Remember that? It influenced the entire glass of water, changed its color, The glass of water took on the color of the fizzy. Not only the color, it took on the taste, right? When that fizzy was dropped in there, it took on the taste. And so as you drank that water with that fizzy in it, if it was grape, it tasted grape. Lime tasted lime. It changed the whole character It influenced everything about that glass of water. That glass of water was filled with the fizzy. Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not comparing the Holy Spirit to a fizzy. But I'm talking about the usage, the common usage of filled with. When you're filled with something, it becomes the primary influence. It takes over. Everything is impacted. And Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let him be the primary influence. Let him take over. Let him impact every part of your life. Now, not only common usage helps us to understand being spirit-filled, but in the text there's a contrast that can help us understand this. Notice in verse 18, he says, Do not get drunk on wine. What happens when you're drunk? That alcohol becomes the primary influence, right? It takes over. It impacts every part of your life, your thinking, your speech, your behavior. It affects everything. It becomes the primary influence. We call it what? Being under the influence. You're choosing to give control to that substance. It's no accident that Paul writes it this way. It helps us understand what it means to be spirit-filled by contrast. He says, instead of being under the influence of that drink, giving control to that drink, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be under the influence of God's Spirit. Give control to the Holy Spirit. Let Him impact every part of your life. We could stop there, but there's another interesting passage, two books over in the book of Colossians, that gives us some insight into being Spirit-filled. If you go to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 16, Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Now, Does that sound familiar to something we read in Ephesians 5? We'll go back there. But does that sound familiar? Notice what comes next, starting in verse 18. He talks about wives submitting to their husbands, husbands loving their wives, children obeying their parents, fathers not embittering their children, slaves obeying their masters. Chapter 4, verse 1 Masters providing what's right and fair. Does that sound familiar? That's exactly what we had in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. Here's the interesting thing in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, those things are presented after the instruction to be filled with the Spirit. In Colossians 3, those very same things follow the instruction to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. What does that tell you? When the Spirit is filling you, and when the Word of Christ is dwelling in you richly, you will have the same Results. It's almost word for word. Same results, same effect, same impact. What does that tell you about being spirit filled? Being spirit filled is the same as following the Word of Christ. The Word of Christ and the Holy Spirit are in sync with each other. The Spirit of God will never lead you contrary to what the Word of God says. And the Word of God will never say something that is contrary to where the Holy Spirit leads. They are always in sync, same results, either one. You see, being Spirit-filled isn't some big, complicated, emotional, mystical thing. Being Spirit-filled is very practical. It's choosing to let the Holy Spirit, who is already in you as a Christian, control. To let Him take over. To let Him be your primary influence and impact every part of your life. It's no different than letting the Word of God control you and impact every part of your life. It goes together. It's more practical than it is mystical. It's more practical than it is even emotional. As we go on in Ephesians 5, Paul gives us some evidences of being spirit-filled. I mean, how, how can I know? Okay, I'm commanded to be spirit filled. I'm kind of getting the idea now what it means. It means to let the spirit control my life, every part of my life. It means to let the spirit be the primary influence to impact everything about me words, actions, thoughts. But how do I know if I'm spirit filled? Paul goes on and gives some evidences. Ephesians 5, things that follow if you are spirit-filled. He says at the end of 18, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. One evidence of being spirit-filled is worship and ministry. Notice, to one another. When the Spirit of God is the primary influence in your life and controlling you, you are going to want to worship. And you are going to want to minister and serve others. When the Spirit of God is controlling and filling your life. He goes on, verse 20, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. An evidence of being Spirit-filled is you're a thankful person. You are giving thanks. You are a grateful person if you are filled with the Spirit. You give God thanks for everything because the Spirit of God is in control of your life. He goes on in verse 21, another evidence. It affects your relationships. Look at your relationships if you want to know if you're Spirit-filled. He says... Be filled with the Spirit, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. To submit to each other, basically to serve each other. A great picture of submitting to one another is just the next book, chapter 2 of Philippians. And in chapter 2 of Philippians, Paul says in verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. That's submitting to others. Considering them better than yourself. You're not better than they are. Verse 3, or verse 4. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Putting others first, that's submitting to others. And so Paul says in Ephesians 5 be spirit filled. Be filled with the Spirit, submitting to one another. It's an evidence. If God's Spirit is filling you and controlling, you will put others first. You will regard others as better than you. You will not think you're superior, and you will not always want to be first. It's not always your way. You will be submitting to one another. It affects your relationships. And I think that's why Paul goes on then, and he talks about husbands and wives. If you are... Filled with the Spirit, he says, it's going to affect you as a wife and how you relate to your husband. If you're spirit-filled as a Christian husband, it's going to affect the kind of husband you are. You will love your wife as Christ loves the church. If you're a child who is spirit-filled, the Spirit will lead you to honor and obey your parents. It will affect that relationship. If you're a parent who is Spirit-filled, the control of the Spirit will lead you to bring your children up in the training and instruction and discipline of the Lord. It affects relationships. If you want to see evidence of being Spirit-filled or not, look at your relationships. Because when the Spirit is in control, your relationships will show it. And, of course, a few weeks ago we learned about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Those nine uh, godly qualities, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, um, self-control, faithfulness. All those godly qualities, they're the fruit of the Spirit. So doesn't it make sense that if the Spirit of God is filling you and controlling you, those fruit will become visible and they will grow and be produced and so the fruit of the spirit can become evidence of being spirit filled and then of course obedience to the word we have to add that because according to colossians it's the same evidence following the word as being in, under the control of the spirit the same evidences so when you obey the word of god that's an evidence of being spirit filled So there are many things we can look at, look for in asking, how do I know if I'm spirit filled? And like Don Francisco said in a a song years ago, it's not about being a Baptist or Pentecostal or Lutheran or Methodist. It's not about speaking in tongues or jumping a pew. He goes on to say, Do you love your wife? And for her and your children, are you giving up your life? What about the others? The other people in your life? What was Don Francisco saying? Exactly what Paul is saying. Being spirit filled has to do with your relationships, it's seen in your relationships. Anybody can jump a pew and dance around. But when you're spirit filled, look at your relationships. Look at your home. Do you have a desire for worship? A desire to minister and serve others? Are you a thankful person or a critical, discontented person? Are you obedient to the Word of God? Are the fruit of the Spirit growing and being produced in your life? That's what you look for, to see evidence of being Spirit-filled. And what's the final outcome, the ultimate outcome of being Spirit-filled? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the last couple verses. Starting in verse 17, 2 Corinthians 3, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. If we are Spirit-filled, and part of the Spirit's work in us is to transform us into the likeness of Christ, that means the ultimate outcome of being Spirit-filled is that you and I are becoming more like Christ. Because that's the Spirit's work. And if He's in control, He is making you more like Christ. One other ultimate outcome of being Spirit-filled. John, chapter 15. And we've looked at this two or three times because it has to do with our theme in this series. But this is an ultimate outcome of being Spirit-filled. John fifteen twenty six, Jesus says, When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Remember we talked about that? The Spirit was sent to testify about Jesus, not himself. Chapter 16, Jesus repeats that. John 16, verse 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me. That's the theme of our series, right? The Holy Spirit sent to glorify Jesus. He wasn't sent To glorify himself, the Holy Spirit. He was sent to glorify Jesus. So what is going to be the ultimate outcome in a life that is Spirit-filled if the Holy Spirit's purpose is to glorify Jesus? The ultimate outcome is in your life. Jesus will be glorified. Because if the Spirit is in control... Filling you, his purpose will be fulfilled, and Jesus will be glorified. You will become more like Jesus, and Jesus will be glorified if you are spirit filled. So now. You can answer the questions. Are you spirit filled? Are you spirit filled? Is the Holy Spirit the primary influence in your life? Have you given the Holy Spirit control? Of your life today. Is the Holy Spirit impacting every part of your life? Your words. Your thoughts. Your attitudes. Your relationships. Your worship. Your ministry. Are you obeying God's word? Do you see the fruit of the Spirit being Produced and growing in your life. Are you spirit filled? The second question. Is your pastor spirit filled? That's up to you. Okay. You can try to figure that out. But the third question. Is your church spirit filled? A church is spirit-filled only if the people of God in that church are spirit-filled. Because the church is the people gathered. If hardly any of the people are spirit-filled, you cannot say the church is spirit-filled. If the people in the church are spirit-filled, thus all these evidences that the Bible points to are visible, then you're going to have a spirit-filled church, and you're going to see in that church these evidences being visible. So really, it doesn't start with, is your church a spirit-filled church? It doesn't start with, is your pastor a spirit-filled pastor? I hope he is. But it starts with, are you? Am I? A spirit-filled Christian. Because you can be indwelt by the Spirit as a Christian, but not spirit-filled. Two different things. We need spirit-filled Christians. We really do. We need spirit-filled pastors. We need Spirit-filled churches. This world needs spirit-filled Christians. Not just spirit-indwelt Christians. Spirit-filled Christians. This world needs spirit-filled pastors. Spirit-filled churches. So I challenge you every day To pray that God would cause His Spirit to fill you that day. To permeate every part of your life. To control your thoughts that day. To control your words that day. To control you in your relationships that day. To control your behavior that day. Make it a prayer every single day. If you have to, many times a day. But surrender to the control. Keep giving it over to the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Let Him just permeate your life. And if you do, (laughs) you will become more like Jesus every day. And God will be glorified in your life every day. Because that's the Spirit's purpose. And when he's given control, he fulfills his purpose. But it's a command. We are responsible to obey it. before the evidences and the outcome are visible. Let's pray. And before I close, I just challenge you to start right now. From this point on today, pray for God's Spirit to fill you, to control you, surrender to His influence for the rest of this day. Father, we want to be spirit-filled people. We want to live lives that are controlled by your Spirit. We want to be obedient to your command to let the Spirit control us. Father, help us to develop the habit of praying and surrendering. To the Spirit who lives in us. That he might take over every day. Fill us. And control us. That we might become more like Jesus. And that Jesus might be glorified. In and through our lives. In his name we pray. Amen. Will you please stop?